0: a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must take America back Welcome Patriots
1: and Freedom Fighters. Welcome to National Intel Report Live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo, Five O Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and any place else you hear or see the show. I'm broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belfont, Pennsylvania. I am your host for this two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. I'm Peter Serafine. And yes, I'm back. I took a week off. And uh, well, I went went to Minnesota for my eldest son's wedding. A little story to tell about that. But first, I got to tell you we've got a good show, a busy, fun, exciting show planned for you this evening. At the bottom of this first hour, so six thirty Eastern time, if you're watching or listening in live, we got Colonel Mike Ford from uh, Managing Editor of American Free News Network going to join the show. And then at the top of the second hour, so seven p.m. Eastern. If you are watching or listening live, I got Daryl Becker from Content Safe. That's Contentsafe.co. Going to join us. And Content Safe, you know, it's a pretty interesting idea that, uh, well, helps creators, internet content creators like, well, like me. So going to be excited to talk to him. While I was gone, like I said, I traveled to Minnesota and one of the, one thing that I have, one, one habit that I have is anytime I've got a miserable story to tell about anything, I always try to find a good story to share as well, especially if it's related to customer service. Yeah. Working in the customer service industry for a really long time, I learned that the average person will tell. Oh, five, six people, if they have a bad experience. But they'll only tell one or two people about a good experience. So anytime I have a good experience, I want to share it. Now, this isn't exactly pol- politics-related, but it is political-adjacent. And I I really want to hear what you think about that adjacent part, that politi- political tie-in. So Get ready, get your dial finger ready. The phone line is 512-248-8252. And if you don't want to actually call and be on the radio, you can always text me at 64-MY-RIGHTS. So that's 646-974-4487. So here's, here's what happened. So I leave for Minnesota for my eldest son's wedding. And those of you who don't know me personally, I rarely leave my house without a hat. And I don't mean a ball cap. I I hate ball caps. I mean a hat. You know, something with a brim that goes all the way around. A a fedora, a pork pie, something like that. So I'm packing for this trip, knowing that I'm going to go to a a wedding, and I'm going to be in a tuxedo. I'm packing for this trip, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, I want a hat that will work both in the tuxedo and when I'm not in the tuxedo. I'll deal with that later, is my thought, as I'm packing. And then, you know, as often does, time catches up with you. And I left. I left the house without a hat. And I get to Minnesota, and I'm thinking, I can't. I I need a hat. And I I really want a hat that goes with my, with, you know, a, a black hat. Well, while I'm in Minnesota, I noticed that there's a haberdashery in Minneapolis where I'm staying. Actually, I'm, I stayed in St. Paul. The haberdashery was in Minneapolis. So there's this haberdashery. I've never been to a haberdashery. I've heard of them. I think it's a cool thing. For those of you that don't know, a haberdashery is a, a traditionally a uh, a men's accessory store. So things like ties and vests and Cuff links, hats, shoes, men's accessories. So I think, hey, I want to go to this haberdashery. So Friday, the wife and I are out and about. We're looking for a chocolatier for her because she likes to get chocolate from a local chocolate maker anywhere we go. And uh, we stop at the haberdashery. Now, the level of service at this place is something that I haven't seen in forever. You all know, you've all seen it. Customer service is dead. How many times have you been in a store and you want help with something? You want help picking out something, you have a question about a product, whatever, and you've got to chase down somebody to ask the question? Happens to me quite frequently. So here we are at, I think it's called Hyman's in Minneapolis. I walk in the door, open the front door, enter, and there's a well-dressed man standing behind a counter who immediately greets us and he's, welcome to Hyman's. What can we do for you today? That's pretty nice. And I told him I'm there for a hat, that I have a formal event and I need a hat. But as I was walking in, I noticed that well, they also had a barber. So I told him, I think I want to visit the barber, too. This gentleman says, well, why don't we do that first? And rather than pointing across the room and say, well, the barber's right over there, he walked me over to the barber. And he said, do you have time for a walk-in? This gentleman would like a haircut. I didn't even have to speak to the barber. He did it for me. Barber had time to fit me in. And, uh, well, it was a good old fashioned barber who actually, like, you know, checked your eyebrows and hair coming out of your ears and your nose and all of the things that an old fashioned barber would do, but a modern barber really doesn't. Again, customer service. And as barbers often do, you know, there's the small talk. We're talking. What are you doing? You know, are you local? Why are you here? And I told him that we were looking for a chocolatier for the wife, but we we didn't really like the first one that we went to. And he said, oh, well, there's a candy store called Candyland right around the corner. And he explained, go out the door, turn left, go up there, turn left. And it it was almost behind the haberdashery shop. So again, nice little touch, little local information. Trimmed my beard, did all the things that he's supposed to do. I pay him and I turn to walk into the back to the retail area. And I no sooner enter the retail area than a third employee approaches me and immediately says, I hear you're looking for a hat. Again, I didn't have to chase anybody down. The word had already been passed. They knew why I was there. They knew what I was looking for. Okay, So he helps me pick out a hat. We look at a few things. I end up buying a derby. I've never owned a derby. And I thought, well, that's appropriate for a wedding if I'm not going to do a top hat, a derby. Top hat you really can only do at a wedding. And I've always wanted a derby, so I got a derby. I leave, I paid a pretty good sum for the hat. It's a good hat from a good hat company. I own lots of hats. I know a good hat from a bad hat. It's from a good hat company, and it was a little pricey. And I got to thinking, like this level of service that I got at this one little job, how much did that cost me? How much extra was that? So I went on Amazon and I looked up that exact derby from that exact hat company to see how much more expensive it was in that haberdashery with that amazing customer service. And surprise, surprise, it's actually more expensive on Amazon than it was at the haberdashery. So this amazing customer service example really got me thinking about a few things. For one, why is customer service dying so badly when apparently there's not a premium cost for it? And number two, how does the downfall of customer service relate to the downfall of manners in society in general? is one the cause of the other is one a symptom of the other are they simultaneous i i don't know the answer to that and that's where i'm hoping you can help me out so call in if your opinions i'd like i'd love to talk about this with somebody 512-248-8252 is the call in line and again you can text 64 my rights 6469744487 I was so, so impressed with the service that I received at this place, probably because we don't get that service anymore, anywhere. Think of the last time that you walked into any store anywhere, and you were waited on and 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 guided to where you needed to be and had somebody right there to help you the moment you needed help. I really can't remember the last time that's happened for me, except for last weekend. So I'm going to look up the company name just to make sure I have it right. I want to give them a plug. I, I think it's Hyman's, but I want to look it up. So anyway, I, I get back home, I go back to work, I told that story to a couple of people. And every time I told the story, I thought, Well, how does this relate to society as a whole? And I don't have that answer. And that's what I'm where I'm hoping you can help me. Sorry, silence. That's bad. I didn't mean to do that. Um, I was typing. I can't. I can't type and talk at the same time. Apparently, I try not to do that. Uh, it's High My bad. High haberdashery. If you're ever in Minneapolis and you're a man, I highly recommend checking it out. I was. I was very, very impressed. So now what? I miss that. Now that place had been there since the 1920s, if I remember right. And I would assume that they had that same level of service that whole time. So why? Why can one business stay open with that level of service, but so many others are closing? Deb Treadway over in the YouTube chat room said Walt Disney World a year ago, next week, had a great customer service. Disney, Disney World prides themselves on that. At least they did 15 years ago when I worked there. When I worked at Disney World, customer service was all what Disney was about. And they were proud of the fact that they spent a lot of money on training for their employees and the I mean, the, when I went, the orientation class, which was called Traditions, was like a week long. I mean, When was the last time you had a week-long orientation in any company? Normally a day at the most. They were, very, they were very customer service oriented. But based on what I see in the news, that's kind of going downhill. So good for you, Deb, for having that great customer service experience. I, I had another one. It was years ago. In New York City, um, I was there for a special occasion. I went to, uh, you know, I'm a foodie. I spent most of my life in the restaurant industry, so I wanted to go so, to some of the famous restaurants. I went to Tavern on the Green, which is no longer there, and had a horrible experience. The leader basically ignored us, but was hovering around another table of people that were apparently famous, rich, or influential in some way. This tavern on the green had a no jackets in the dining room rule, no coats, I'm sorry, no coats in the dining room, so we had to take our coats and check them, and uh, well, this other table walked in, they all had coats, and they had wait staff just hovering around the table, it was a miserable experience for me, I'm sure it was fabulous for them, but the very next night, I went to the Four Seasons, and the Four Seasons was, was phenomenal, the, the waiter was on on the ball, he was right there, he was you know inquisitive enough to find out why i was in the city what i was celebrating and all of that and uh not so nosy as to be annoying and when he realized why i was there he he gave me a little gift bag that included the menu of the evening and some I, don't, I forget what else was in there but it was a very nice little gesture so again i tell a bad story i like to tell a good story because Too many people share the bad ones, but not the good ones. So, what makes one business be able to do that while another one starts putting in self-checkout lines? Firing cashiers. What you think about that answer and get your dialing fingers ready and call in to tell me your opinions about customer service as it relates to the downfall of society as a whole i want to remind you that if you own a firearm you need to have carry insurance if you do not have firearms owner or carry insurance you will probably uh, you know end up in jail or be sued if you have to use your firearm and the best the most affordable carry insurance on the market is right to bear insurance use code lighthouse at protectwithbear.com and save 10% off their already lowest price on the market. That's protectwithbear.com, code Lighthouse. Quince in Florida, line one, welcome to the show. Quince? I can't hear you, Quince. I don't know what happened. Oh, producer just said we lost him. Well, that sucks. Um... uh, now, now, uh, uh, Curtis over in the YouTube chat room says, "The larger the store, the less humanity is in the training." That that probably is true. Like anything else, the as an organization grows, it loses that personal connection, and that personal connection probably does disappear from the training, and that personal connection is. Is what customer service is all about. And it's that come to think of it, it, it really is that personal connection. It's what society is all about. We're losing that in a big way. You know, I I live downtown in my little town, granted, it's a small town i don't even know my neighbors i mean i know one or two of them but i don't know all of them and there was a you know back in the day it was you knew all of your neighbors i know some of them but not all of them now that's a problem let's see here uh Miss Sarah Nichols says that I am not live on my Facebook page. Well, that's a bummer, but there's really not a whole lot I can do about it now. Thanks for letting me know, Sarah. <sighs> stream, stream, yep, says unable to connect. Look at that. Oh, well. If you normally watch on Facebook, you're either not watching or you're going to have to find someplace else to watch. And if you're looking for a place to watch, I recommend Twitch. Twitch.tv. I see your messages when you comment on the video, and uh, they don't ever censor anything. At least, they've never censored anything of mine. YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, they've all censored me. (laughs) If you can't fix it, feature it. That's right. Don't hide anything. I can't stream to to Facebook tonight for some reason. My restream service could not connect to Facebook. That's just a bummer. Oh, anyway, so the human connection, it's the human connection in, in, in our lives that makes us human. It's, it's, it's the basis of humanity. So the question is, if we bring back customer service, will it help to bring back humanity or won't it work that way? Do we have to do it the other way? Do we have to? bring back humanity as a whole in order to get the customer service back. Yeah. I'd like to try. I think if you have fantastic customer service, you'll, well, you'll beat out your competition. You'll become the bigger business. Maybe that's how we start. You give great customer service, you become more popular than your competitors. Your competitors go, hey, what are they doing? Their product or service isn't any better than mine. Why are they doing so much better? We need to do what they're doing. So if you're a business owner out there and you don't have a, a real serious focus on genuine customer service, I want you to try maybe you can be the the first step in bringing in bringing humanity back to humanity church attendance is down all over the place uh, we don't know our neighbors the the Twitter world the, the you know the, the YouTube the Twitter the social media world has created a bunch of people that say whatever they want without without even thinking about the feelings of others anymore. Without consequences. It's all signs of the downfall of humanity. We need to take steps to bring it back. And the more I think about it, the more I have thought about it. Since telling that story of Jaime's haberdashery in Minneapolis, the more times I tell a story, the more I... Think maybe maybe bringing customer service back to the ser- the retail and service industries might might be a start. I'm surprised that nobody's called in to argue with me on that or agree with me one way or another. Really, am surprised. <clears throat> um. Colonel Mike Ford from Managing Editor of American Free News Network will be joining us here in uh, right about, oh, the other side of the break would be about five minutes. Um, American Free News Network is where you can find my articles as well as the articles of a whole bunch of other people. They are always looking for content writers, people that write articles and submit to them. He publishes, well, he publishes a lot of stuff, like many articles a day and you can find my there. Right now, I'm working on my next article. I haven't, I don't have one set up for tomorrow. Um, my next article arguing that consumption-based taxes are the only taxes that are really fair. That's my idea. William, in Texas, on line one, you've got less than two minutes.
2: Hey, Peter, great show. I wanted to talk to you about your uh, experience with good customer service. I think it's not only is it getting more rare, I, I think for that reason, it's just that much more needed. I really appreciated your comments about the haberdashery. Uh, I do have, own my own business. It's, it's mainly a seasonal, it's kind of part-time It's seasonal and, uh, but I am the sole proprietor. And I think customer service is, is the edge that we can have, uh, you know, in this world against maybe like one of your listeners was saying, the, the huge box stores, the, the, the uh, lack of humanity, the lack of uh, just real personal touch, to everything. So uh, I think it's huge. I agree with, with everything you said.
1: Hey, I, I really appreciate that. And I think you're right. Thank you very much for your call, William. I, I, I think it's a good start. And it really wouldn't cost all that much. Bring back customer service. Be back in three minutes on the other side of this break. Hang on, Sarah.
0: You one shot at a time.
1: Attention freedom-loving patriots. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our Founding Fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds. Empowering patriots. <coughs> I'm Peter Seraphine. Please remember that free speech is not free and uh, support whatever free speech platform you're watching or listening to the show from. Um, Buy the merchandise, use their promo code, share out their content wherever you can. I know that Sarah in Oregon uh, shares out my stuff all the time and I greatly appreciate that. And I also know that Sarah from Oregon is on line three. Welcome to the show, Sarah.
3: Please share out the show and be happy. Always be the friends and customer service should come back. Bye.
1: Bye. Sarah, always a preacher. Rich in Pennsylvania texted me. He says, customer service requires humility. Today's society doesn't seem to value that virtue very much, sadly. And that's true. I I think there's a type of person that is required in order to provide real customer service, like genuine, caring, thoughtful customer service. And I don't know what that quality is. I don't don't know why some people are good at it or enjoy it. And others don't. I, I enjoy providing good service. I, I always said, if I, if I lived back in the days, you know, of, uh, the class system i would would have striven strove i'm not sure which you know, I, I, I would have wanted to be a butler I, uh, I i like serving others i maybe that's because i like helping others in general i don't know is that weird that i actually enjoy helping other people It doesn't seem to happen very often anymore. Like I I actually get a smile on my face when when a friend says, "Hey, do you have jumper cables?" Or um, "Are you busy? I could use a pickup truck." I I do. I actually get a smile. I like helping other people. And maybe that's why I was so successful in the hospitality industry. Uh, treat others as you want to be treated when it comes to serving others. That's right, Dan. Let me tell you another story. A little. This is a customer service that I provided kind of story. So, again, I was in, in the hospitality industry food service for a really long time. And, well, I, I, I was the food and beverage director of a small hotel that had a restaurant, a bar, and a banquet space. So I, I trained my wait staff that the moment somebody came into the restaurant and mentioned an allergy, a food allergy of any kind, that they should get me. Because, you know, I spent most of my life being of service, most of my life in the restaurant industry. So I kind of knew a little bit about that stuff. So lady comes in does uh, my, my weight staff does as I had taught them. And they came and got me when the woman started saying, well, I can't have this or can't have that. So after about 30 seconds of talking to the, to the lady, the customer, I realized that, well, she had celiacs disease. Now this was, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago when not a whole lot of people knew what celiacs disease was. But I did because it's food-related and it was part of my business. So she's telling me that she can't have this and that. And I said, oh, you have celiac disease. And she goes, oh, yeah. She was surprised that I knew what it was. I said, well, what do you want? And she's she says, well, I'd like a steak. You know, we're a steakhouse. And I said, okay, what would you like with your steak? We normally serve... Thing that she, no, it wasn't steak. It was, uh, it was ribs. Cause, um, because we served the ribs with french fries. And I said, it normally comes with french fries. Is that okay? And she says, I can't have french fries. I said, well, of course you can have french fries. She goes, well, I can't have them. They're fried in the same fryer as, you know, breaded products. I'm like, yeah, generally. But if I know you can't have that, I will fry them separately in a pot on a stove it's not that big a deal and and this this lady almost cried she was so happy that we were willing to deep fry some french fries for her in a pot she said she hadn't had french fries in a restaurant In years. And in my particular restaurant, we cut our own French fries. They were fresh cut and fried in-house. So, yeah, I could make her French fries. Just don't use the same fryer that we fry the chicken and the shrimp and everything else in. And she was thrilled. She became a very regular customer. Yeah, Misty in Kansas on line one. Welcome to the show, Misty.
3: Hi. Uh hope you had a good wedding. Uh You know what I think it is really? I think a lot of it has to do with the way you're raised. You know. I mean, I was raised in uh, 60s. You know, my parents, they we the manners. You had to, you know, all the manners, yes sir, no ma'am. Back then, we didn't even call an adult by their First name, it was only like Miss Jones, mm-hmm. you know you you yeah. didn't do that, and I raised my son the same way, and uh he's in the server business, and uh when he first moved to Colorado, he called me one day and he said they were shocked that he would go up and address him as yes, ma'am, you know, sir. <clears throat> Even people you know peers that you can kind of feel' them out, but I mean to this day he he loves being in the business <clears throat> excuse me, but I think that has a lot to do with it. The work ethic i mean we were I was taught strong work ethic, same with my with my son I did the uh last week, no no no, no, it was about. Four months ago, my bad. And anyway, he had got a five hundred dollar tip, and you know, of course, they hold them now until it clears. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, just because, yeah, you got to take care of the people, and, and and that's how you make your money. So it, it, a lot of it comes back on the person, you know. Yeah, uh, especially and right, and- if you're working for tips.
1: Yeah, that's the thing I don't get. Anybody who works. If you work for tips or commissions, either one, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe Jaime's haberdashery, maybe they all work for commissions, so of course they were lickety-split, like on the spot, ready to help. I don't know. But you're right. It is ab- about upbringing. You, you can't learn manners. Well, you can. It's a lot harder to learn manners when you're in your 30s than it is when you're a child.
3: Exactly. And it sticks and- with you.
1: And, yeah, once you learn them, they they stick with you.
3: The, well, to this day, I'm sixty. I'm sixty one now, and uh, I mean, I, if I'm talking to customer service, customer service on the phone or anybody, mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't stop it. I will call them. Yes, ma'am. You know, I just still, you know, and I believe if the people like you're going, I mean, if the people offer that that. Decency, then I believe it, it. The people that they're helping, it helps them too. Like you're saying, you know, you hadn't seen it in a while.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time. But i, I even toward the end of my my food and beverage career, I remember trying to teach staff, you know, like wait staff. You try to teach them uh, the the value of service, and they're like, ah, I just want to, I just want to get them out of here, get my tip, and get another table. And like, but why? You know, even a crappy tipper tips based off of a percentage. Let's say it's 10% because Mm -hmm. that's considered a bad tip nowadays.
4: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Isn't it a lot easier to sell that person another a cup of coffee or a cordial and a slice of pie, a cake or dessert of some kind, add $10 to your bill, get another dollar in your tip, than it is to clean off the table, reset it, and hope you get another table. You know, yeah, it helps the business because you sold more stuff, but it helps you as the server because you're going to be paid based on that bill.
3: Exactly, and at the same time, you know and i used to be a, i'm a bartender by trade so i understand that you know i understand that side of it and uh uh but it also uh you get the return customers so it's mm-hmm. it's a win win for everyone yeah but, it, you but know?
1: i i was dealing with kids that it was i felt like i needed to hit them in the head with a rubber mallet a few times before they understood that I, I tried to teach them how to sell. And there's a, you know a proven sales technique called the hook line and sinker or suggest inform and endorse, depending on what company you're with. Um, but it's all the same thing. and And there's this basic format of how to sell something tableside in in just a few words. And I tried to teach this to my my staff when I left the big companies and I started working for smaller companies again. And and they're like, why would I do that? I'm like, okay, let's see. All right, I'll give you an example. So this the last restaurant I worked in. The, that hotel I was talking about earlier. I'm the food and beverage director. Of this hotel, we have um, beef short ribs on the menu. It's the most expensive thing on the menu. Every night I. Worked the podium. I greeted guests. I was the maitre d. Every night I was there, I used that book line and sinker format to tell them about the short ribs as I was walking the guests to the table. Every night I worked that podium, we sold out of short ribs.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Any night I wasn't working the podium for some reason, we had short ribs left at the end of the night. Okay, so I can sell short ribs. But to the wait staff, that's the most expensive entree on the menu. Mm-hmm. Every I'm dollar happy. you add, add yep. to your bill yep. is is a dime to a quarter more you're going to put in your pocket. Mm-hmm. So if you can sell three more, you know, you know, let's say you get a couple, you know, two people come to your table and they sit down and you don't suggest crap to them and they both ask for a glass of water to drink and they both get the cheapest thing on the menu. Versus you suggest a bottle of wine because it's the wine that you love and you can describe it well. And you sell them both beef short ribs, which is the most expensive thing on the menu. What's your tip look like? You know, comparatively. I Mm -hmm.
3: try
1: to teach my staff that a menu in the hands of a guest for more than a minute is the most dangerous thing you can do to your own personal wallet. Because people immediately start price shopping, you need to get to them before they look at the at the prices. You need to sell them on something that's fabulous before they realize what they want to spend for the evening.
3: Well, I think a lot of it too has to do with the mindset. I don't think everyone is cut out, you know, to uh, as far as the the, the food. Liquor business, hotel business, stuff like oh, that. I don't think everybody's just cut out for that job, but the same principles should apply in any job you work at.
1: Yeah, any service connected job at all, any any job where you're dealing with customers, mm-hmm. it's it's all the same, the same skill set.
4: I just think right, it goes back
1: to. Do it. Excuse me. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and you're right. Not everybody can do it. Yeah, I, think, I, I believe stuff.
3: it goes back to how uh, how you raise the child. I, I just firmly believe that. And nowadays, you know, people are just in for the paycheck. They're not in to uh, they're not in it to satisfy themselves. I mean, that was the biggest part. I worked in warehouses, too. And, the, you know, it was like, dang, I, man, I, I I, banked today. You know, I busted my butt, you know. But it's also a good feeling for the worker. And I think we've lost that part, too. People just want a paycheck. It's sad. Yeah. But I right. see a lot of people around me, truly. Some of the younger generation, well, my my son's age, and they have children, and I mean, it, I see a change. I definitely see a change where I'm at. You know how they're raising their kids and stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, Curtis over in the YouTube chat room says that the lack of empathy is killing service. And yeah. But hmm. but that lack of empathy goes right back to what you were saying, Misty. It goes back to the to the upbringing, the raising of people.
3: Exactly. I mean, I, I don't understand. I don't understand that comment. Lack of lack of empathy. I don't understand that.
1: You can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You don't. Well, you know, if you're uh. if, if, if you're a server with no empathy, you don't you don't think about what it's like when you're out to eat. You only think about what it's like when you're the server.
3: Mm well i you know i guess but <laughs> you know i i i based my uh career on like i say on uh just giving the customer the respect the comus the customer is due now when i i do admit if i go and i'm on the flip side now you know and I don't get that same service, it's disappointing. It truly right. is. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you can't necessarily go, you know, eh, golly, you know what I'm saying? You just suck it up, buttercup, and, and and then, you know, I would definitely say no to that server. You know, get me somebody else.
1: Yeah. All right, Misty, I have to let you go because I've got another call coming behind you, and I don't want to run out of time. Okay, great. Thank you very much for your call. Always appreciate it. Deb Treadway over in the YouTube chat room says, I own my own cleaning business and I had a long lasting customer who referred me for 16 years. They trusted me and it was customer service oriented. It usually is. You know, I've had chefs in my life over the years that said, you know, that the best meal will not save poor service, but poor service will ruin. The best meal only works one way. Anyway, I want to tell you about the wellness company, TWC.health. Use code Lighthouse when you visit TWC.health so that you can find yourself some not-woke doctors and not-woke pharmacists and not-woke pharmacies. Find out how to get off the medications that you're on safely from doctors that aren't, well, Let's say paid for by Big Pharma. Find doctors who actually care about what you want from your health care at TWC.health. And use code LIGHTHOUSE when you're there. I'd greatly appreciate it. Tom in Utah is on line three. Welcome to the show, Tom.
4: Hi. Um, In my past, I've been an advisor to the uh, film industry. It's pretty heavy. like Kirk Douglas, Olivia de Havilland. They always ask me, well, how do you do it when you're on the road? I said, you might have to make a little bit of a white lie. You pull into any roadhouse or any restaurant or facility, and you might have to just say, uh, I've heard that you're really a fine chef or you run a really fine restaurant. I have some specific health needs. I'm wondering if you could prepare something for me. And they will bend over backwards. As soon as you say, I've heard that you, you know, have a reputation of being a very fine chef or manager. And so, you know, this courtesy works That's both true. ways.
1: I, so I would agree it. with that. You know, if you, um, if, if you compliment somebody, you know, generally speaking, it lowers their guard a little bit. and They become more favorable to you.
4: They'll bend over backwards to make you happy because they know if they make you happy, you have a mouth and you are, quote, the unpaid, how to say, advertisement.
1: Yeah. Word of mouth is the best advertising. Absolutely. So, but word of mouth can also have- kill a business pretty.
4: Oh, yeah. So I'm going to stop and have French fries from you, okay? You ready?
1: Well, I don't run that business anymore. <laughs> but
4: it really it's, pays it's, off it's a
0: sad be, thing. I, it
4: really pays off to be courteous both ways. Because you I do agree. what you want. Absolutely. And they're happy, yeah. you're happy.
1: Yeah, the golden I mean rule, do unto others.
4: Anyway, uh, I people were in awe that I could travel back and forth across the United States or even up into Canada and never have a problem eating even at the Outback or the Steakhouse. How do, you, how, how do you be a completely strict vegan or vegetarian if you're at the Outback? Well, the chef will do everything in his power to make things right if you simply start with the right spirit with him. We
1: do need to have empathy. Yeah. That is where we are failing. Yeah. And and then empathy also goes to the, you know, I, I bet that if you showed up at the Outback in the middle of rush hour and said, I'd like to talk to the chef because I need to find something I can eat, that's probably not going to work out well for you. But, like, if you call at, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon when restaurants aren't generally busy and say... Hey, I'm going to be in later tonight, and I'm a vegan. They'll they're willing. They're far more willing to help you out. That.
4: Yeah. See, I've done that, and it it really does pay off. And you never have to be without. And, in fact, I was just thinking about uh, the Olive Garden, for example. I I call them and say, I'd like to come and have a nice meal with with your facility but I do have some issues with certain food items. They said, okay, what do, we do, what do we need to do to help you? And I said, okay, this is what you do. And then, of course, I also let them know that I've been an advisor to some pretty heavies, like, you know, Kirk Douglas or Lizzie Allen or even William Shatner of all people. <laughs> and they say, well, wow, cool. We we need some good advertisement.
1: Get one of those people to say something about your restaurant and your- that's that's fantastic advertising right there. Well, Tom, thank you very much for your call. Always appreciate it.
4: Empathy works.
1: I agree. Curtis over in the YouTube chat room says, I had a customer with Tourette's. He would only buy from me because I made him feel comfortable. And that's what it's about. And I bet that customer with Tourette's who would only buy from you also probably recommended you more than once. And John, also in the YouTube chat room, apparently all of our chat messages tonight are coming from YouTube. Oh, that's right. I'm not broadcasting on Facebook. Uh, Don't know if you touched on this yet or not, but automatic gratuity has ruined service. Ooh, I haven't touched on that yet. He goes on to say, spent this past Sunday having a terrible experience at the Olive Garden and still got stuck with an 18% gratuity. You know? That's a good point. A lot of these restaurants, especially the chain restaurants, they have an automatic gratuity, and it usually is 18% if you have a party of, let's say, eight or more. Why? Like, like seriously, the word gratuity comes from the French, I don't know. Anyway, it, it comes from a French term that meant for a drink. And the idea was that if you gave service that went above and beyond, then your customer would leave you enough money to buy a drink after your shift. It was like, Hey, let me buy you a beer kind of thing. But for some reason in this country, we've decided that the service industry gets paid, you know, $2.85 an hour or what. Ever. the number is i don't know what it is now that's what it was when i left the industry and we 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 stick automatic gratuities on it every chance we get well that's not a gratuity if it's not for a drink if it's not your customer giving you something because you did a fantastic job then it's it's compulsory that's not the point Let's see here, Uh, YouTube chat room again, Peter, some of these restaurants where I live, you go to a kiosk and pay for your food ahead of time, and they still want you to add a gratuity. Damn, Skippy. I can't believe, like, I love coffee, and I go anytime I see a barista anywhere in the country, I will try their coffee. And right here in my little town, there are three little fancy coffee shops. And I love all three of them. But I think, let me think here. Yep. All three of them use a point of sale system that if you pay with a card, the screen is automatically going to ask you for gratuity. Now, I'm ordering at a counter and I'm buying a coffee maybe it's an espresso or an americano or a latte or you know whatever but basically i'm i'm buying something that requires you to do your job i'm not asking you to perform any extra special service of any kind why should i be expected to tip you i don't i don't know what i don't know why that has become everywhere you know, maybe it's time that the united states go Go oh, adopt the uh, the European model, and and pay service industry employees a wage, and stop expecting a tip. And you, when you get a tip, it's because you did something fantastic. Instead of oh, you did your job. I don't know. This this conversation kind of took a dark path, didn't it? It started with me thinking, hey, I got fan-freaking-tastic service at Jaime's Haberdashery in Minneapolis. And why, why, you know, what happened to customer service? And and hey, if we bring customer service back, will it help to heal humanity in our country? And somehow we got on to complaining about service and uh, automatic gratuities and gratuities on, well, non-service things. I don't know. Like I said at the beginning, I don't know if bringing customer service back in all of the service industries, I don't know if that would bring humanity and empathy back into our society, but it sure wouldn't hurt. And if you're a business owner, you have to know word of mouth is the best possible advertising and that customer service well, it really doesn't cost you anything. And I got customer service, great customer service once. And I just spent an hour talking about it on the radio to, I don't know, what, 2,000 people? How many of you listening? I think that's worth doing. If you're a business owner, you should check it out. Coming back on the other side of the break, Daryl Becker, safe.co. We'll be back in three minutes, my friends. And send it If you live stream, I want you to check out Restream. Restream is how this broadcast is being simultaneously sent to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, DLive, and Rumble. Not only that, but your guests can also pair their video platforms with your broadcast and have your broadcast on your platforms and their platforms all at the same time. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com restream, and I'll save you $10 off for the premium service that I know you're going to want. That's liberty-lighthouse.com slash restream. Mike Lindell did it again with mystore.com. mystore.com is where you can go to find American-made products from American companies started by American entrepreneurs. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at mystore.com to support Mike Lindell, American entrepreneurs, and this program. That code again is LIGHTHOUSE at mystore.com.
0: The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading. There's an unspoken fear we're on our way down. We must take America
1: back. That's right, patriots and freedom fighters. Welcome back to the top of the second hour national intel report live on republic broadcasting network liberty lighthouse on mojo 50 radio and patriot nation radio network and anywhere else you hear or see the show uh let's see here um well, i forget the rest of what i usually say at the top of the second hour but anyway i promised you a guest daryl becker from contentsafe.co and oh look daryl becker from contentsafe.co is here welcome to the show sir
5: hey it's great to join you peter
1: All right, before we move on, I don't know if I told you this before, but you can probably tell based on what you see on the screen, this is a live call-in show. So the phone number is 512-248-8252. And if you don't want to call in, you still have a comment you'd like to make, you can text me at 64 my rights at 646 974 4487 So if you have questions for Mr. Becker as we go along, that's how you ask him. So Mr. Becker... Let's see here. 20,000-foot overview. What is contentsafe.co?
5: We are a company that distributes video to help grow your audience. So right now, we were talking before the show about where this is streaming, and you were naming all these channels. And what you were missing is you were not up on BitChute. You are not up on Odyssey. You were not up on Brighteon. And those are some big platforms. That's, that's like you're missing a lot of audience there. And, and I know that you were talk- talking also about how a lot of people are just listening and they're not really watching and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you're, you're kind of – you're leaving money on the table basically and we'll talk monetization too. We, we do that for our, our clientele, but basically we work for the alt media who get censored. And oh, what right we
1: do there. is – yeah. we, we got a comment over in, in, uh, in the RBN YouTube page that says, well, the truth never makes money
5: not true not true at all a lot of our clients can afford us because they make money they and they and they make money by solving problems okay so some of the problems are simple obviously like putting information out there that's necessary and useful sometimes it's about connecting the right people to the right people that's not just networking but it's having actual you know, like a theme and sponsors that connect to your audience. For example, the Survival Podcast. It's a great company. Uh, We're we're searching to to grab them as a client. But what their model right now is they've got all the sponsors for preparedness and survival, and they are member supported so that the members get a discount to those sponsors, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. So they're not beholden to the sponsors. They're beholden to the members to give good quality shows five days a week, putting it out there. And that's that – then in, in return for $50 a year, they all get serious discounts to companies that they would be already buying stuff from anyway for their own preparedness and survival, obviously in alignment with, I would say, you know everything like in terms of the Republican Broadcast Network, everything that you guys already espouse, right? <laughs> so they make money, serious money. I mean like big-time money by dishing out to their audience what they want you know, already. And all you have to do is solve problems and you're making money. And I do this in healthcare, in my own private practice as a holistic healthcare provider. If I solve problems, I make money. If I don't solve problems, people stop paying me. So I'm, I'm connected to results. And as sh- I would say, the meritocracy of all people, good people are connected to results. But um, you make more money by being in front of more people and solving more of their problems. And I think, like, looking at your background, there's beautiful, like, You know, this is professional. You've spent a bunch of time since at least 2019, right? Like really focusing on what's information that that your audience needs to know, right? And then uh, maybe you've even had some of it censored, maybe on YouTube ever? Maybe once or
1: twice. Maybe once or twice? (laughs) Okay, so I had my first YouTube channel deleted. Um, There we go. That's what (laughs) I'm talking about. And I also had my TikTok channel deleted, which really surprised me. Um, what did you say? What
5: what what do you think the offending comments were?
1: I don't know. The TikTok one, I probably called COVID the China virus or the Wuhan flu or something like that. Would be my guess. I don't know. They don't give you enough information. That's true, say, right? You you violated our policy against you know medical misinformation or whatever policy it was, but they don't ever give you a timestamp. They don't ever get specific. It, they don't give you the information to not offend again. Yeah.
5: yeah, That's part of big tech censorship right there is to make it vague and to, you know, but, but you know that you're over the target when you start, you know, getting fired upon.
1: That's one of those old sayings, right? The TikTok one hurt. I was, I was at like 10,000 followers on TikTok and, and, you know, just reaching the, Hey, you might start making a dollar from them level. And then, and uh, then it was gone. Um, YouTube. YouTube, I think I was 150, 200 followers, something like that. And YouTube, I've never been able to get very far with YouTube, but now I, right, I'm 15 with the new YouTube channel.
5: <laughs> yeah, and and I and it, definitely we say to all of our clients, please keep doing that. However, we're going to be rolling out some services soon to be able to have our own program.
1: Uh. Oh, we just lost him. And wait, he's back. Sorry, oh, good, good, good. There was a glitch There's in the matrix.
5: <laughs> Speaking of censorship, so we're going to be rolling out some services where we we have our own program to crawl over your video first and find out what words or what where areas should you can be concerned about on certain platforms like YouTube and Facebook, for example, and TikTok. Because... What we're going to be able to do soon is to take some of the best clips, some like good, like you know, one minute to four minute ones for the shorts, and put it up on those channels to grab more attention and point them in the direction of the channels that you want. Yeah, and
1: that's way too much work for a, a single person like me to do.
5: Oh, so you're a solopreneur? You are a one man show for this, right?
1: It's me. I. It's. I mean. Mike, the pr- the producer that, that um, you, you heard in the background there, he's the guy who puts it up on RBN. But everything else is me, like the the video stuff you see in front of you, I did that. And yeah, all the you know, it's it's my personal channels, and I that's it.
5: Yeah. So yeah, and, I,
1: it's, it's video ad, it's ridiculously time consuming, and yeah. which is why I mean, when I started doing video, I did. I took the time. I put it up on. I don't know. A whole bunch of different platforms. I, uh, Frank. Frank Speech was one that I was putting him up on. I'm fortunate enough that I'm one of the featured creators on on uh, Frank Social and Frank Speech. So anytime I put something on there, it jumps me to the top of like everybody's homepage, which is awesome, except for the fact that it takes like three freaking hours to upload a two hour video.
5: Yes. Yeah, that's the... That is one of the issues. So... We do make it easy for content-safe clients. You can upload directly to us, and we will just distribute it where it wants to go. And I think starting next year, we're probably going to have our own answers to Restream and StreamYard, meaning we're going to start providing some like live streaming services to nice. compete with what you guys got going on. Because we know what you're paying for these services. You know, We've been looking behind the scenes at that. You would be like, yeah, what, what can we do? To to add to that, because what those restreaming services won't do, generally speaking, is they won't go to all the alt media no. video platforms. No, they they won't. Yeah, and the- there's a reason for that. Of course, um, look who owns Rumble, and you're going to find out that like the the days of Rumble f- uh, censorship free is probably a limited hangout although i mean i'd love for it to never get censored it would have kind of been like if reddit never got censored or like never became a censorship haven if if uh, twitter never became a censored uh, platform for example a- and honestly like rebranding to x i mean i think that was just literally to try to can i kind of say like financial tunneling you can look that term up everyone who's online You know uh financial tunneling just for a quick definition is an economic method to enter a company and destroy it from within and then sell off the proceeds on the outside to buyers and make a profit for that and that is the
1: technique you know kind of like those venture capitalist people come in and buy buy up companies and then sell off the parts
5: yeah essentially yeah and and there's it's very challenging to prove that anyone's doing it and nor is it uh there's very few laws on the books to actually you know make it a a criminal offense to do so you know because how can you really prove that what you did was to destroy the company when you can say no it was innovative it just didn't work you know it's kind of like like um and if you're elon
1: musk i mean innovative is kind of what you do and Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So who's going to tell them that, no, you were trying to destroy the company. Anyway, Sarah Nichols, who is probably the biggest cheerleader I have ever had in my life, and including my wife. Sarah Nichols is the one person who is here every week, calls in every week, shares out my Mm -hmm. show to all of her social media platforms every week. She's fantastic. She's telling me that I have 195 subscribers on rumble and 19
5: on youtube yeah well what a a regular user gets to see as far as metrics on big tech platforms like youtube like facebook like twitter um i'm not even going to call it x at this point because i just i can't bring myself to Mm -hmm. um what what, what regular users are going to get to see and and what the as far as like what the channel owners will get to see are very different things so mm-hmm. you'll see that you'll have all these subscribers but then the subscribers themselves will not generally see like they'll see that they're subscribed to you but they won't get any updates you're shadow banned right they can they can do that on the general so uh you mentioned like just saying things like the wuhan flu or you know anything that would be mm, questioning the mainstream ma- narrative uh, what? pushing like three years do ago you thing? Ah,
1: yes, how, how like dare you question anyone, the mainstream narrative? It's not like anybody on the right has ever had a conspiracy that has ever come true.
5: Yeah, um, except I think last checked, I think it was conspiracy theorists were up 37 to zero, you know, right. uh, on, the, on, on at least my meme account. So, you know, there are a lot of topics that are censored. Um, I mean, we, we touched on one is, is so-called medical misinformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, you know, um, have you had like some of the big, big wigs r- around this whole thing, like Peter McCullough on your show or hey, I um, haven't had Peter McCullough. I,
1: um, I, one of my regular guests is, uh, the doctor Jen Vandewater, who is a, a doctor of pharmacology who is formerly from the wellness company and worked with Dr. Peter McCullough. And I generally don't talk medical stuff unless I have a doctor on the show with me because I'm not a doctor. Okay. Well,
5: I have a license of acupuncture and oriental medicine that if that counts for, like, for me, I mean, as I'm a medical professional, I have a medical license. I've been in this field for 25 years. I've worked on these. um, Basically, I I get paid real money, not taking insurance money, uh, if I solve medical problems to the satisfaction of my clients. And I don't get paid money when I don't solve problems.
1: So Unlike I'm sure that know, none of these country. companies would ever censor you with with 25 years of medical background. They would never question your your uh, bona fides regarding a medical opinion.
5: No, that's you know that's like I don't know thinly veiled sarcasm or just like uh, like <laughs> there's no veiling to that. That's just straight yeah. up sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, just, just flexing your humor muscle. I get it. You know, so that that makes sense to me and. There are a lot of muscles that are important to flex you know for healthcare reasons. Uh, humility is one of them. Um, I know that I don't have all the answers, and I know I got it wrong for twenty two years of my medical practice because that's when you know in 2020, I finally audited my own conclusions. I started to relook at what I thought was real. I started to look at virology papers. you ever read a virology paper?
1: yeah, like yeah, it's, actual- it's, it's all uh, let's just say theory. At best, like the dumb down the dumb down version, I like is the fact that you know they can only see vi- viruses on uh, on the scanning electron microscopes. Which, oh by the way, anything that you see on a scanning electron microscope is dead. So, right. it's cause and effect. Like they're assuming that because this dead tissue has this thing in it, that this thing caused the dead tissue, whereas. It might very well be the opposite that this thing came from the dead tissue. And there's really yeah. no way with modern, with current technology, there's really no way to prove either way. So, why are people, you gotta wear a mask and stop the spread of a virus, even though I, three months ago I wrote a paper that said that masks don't stop viruses?
5: <laughs> right. It's very, it's, I think what, what's important to understand, as with many ideas is what's the money say and you follow the money and you find out guess what you know it's very simple Mm -hmm. this made trillions and trillions of dollars for like the 20th century alone not just the 21st century it's made a lot of money oh yeah and it's made a lot of control and they haven't really done control experiments in general Um, There was the uh, Dr. Stefan Lanka over in Germany who actually was doing controls and found that you have completely healthy cells and completely from a healthy human uh, and like showing no symptoms at all. And you could find the same artifacts that are generally called viruses in their scanning electron microscopy samples as you would with someone who is, you know, certainly sick. And basically, they're artifacts of the process of scanning electron microscopy, which is what you already said. I'm psyched that you already – you took my talking points. So that's great because I didn't really want to say all of that all over and over again. And I like the way you said it better.
1: You know? <laughs> well, I, I'm a high school educated nobody. Um, I, that's as far as I ever went was high school. So I, like to, take, I like to take all those big fancy things and, and squish it down into something that anybody can understand. Yeah, that, that helps, and yeah, and outside of medical, comparative, something um, almost a metaphorical comparative. Actually, it's really similar. I, I can't remember her name right now, but the climatologist who did all the research and found out that hurricanes are getting stronger and more frequent, and we're all going to die. And then some of her colleagues said, "Um, but you, th- there's an error here." In your data and you know being a diligent scientist she went oh my god you're right and she went and she redid her da- you know redid her study and came back later and when she came back uh she realized oh well no the storms aren't getting stronger and they're not getting more frequent i had completely missed this data set so when she came out with the first study all of the mainstream media wanted to talk to her because she's you know proving climate change she's she's there saying that hurricanes are getting more frequent and 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 stronger and when she corrects herself using the scientific method and realizes oops i was wrong my bad i would like to make a correction nobody wanted to talk to her
5: not surprising right and this is of course a narrative that's being pushed by a certain moneyed agenda. And right. if you really want to know more about the climate, I can highly recommend realclimatescience.com and the work of Tony Heller. He's got, I think, potent channels over on Odyssey and BitChute and Rumble. And and he does make short videos still on YouTube, just like you. He's suffered some YouTube censorship previously. But he just covers the real data evidence of the you know, essentially, not just, like, um, one scientist, like, I would say, like, I would say being published in error, just like as you mentioned, and then finally, like, in this case, being honest enough to retract your own work, but there are a lot of examples of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric mm-hmm. uh, Administration, and that's NOAA, and they actually falsified their 1990 data, like in in the um, uh, 2100s you know like uh, i'm sorry like, like the, the year you know 2010 and on basically and they they literally changed the data but luckily you know thanks to in you know archive.org and the wayback machine yeah. you know it has it is capturing everyone and including this right now capturing a lot of the websites at statically like in in play and that way like when people try to like alter like what they they said there's a way back machine They'll go if you use the way back machine you can see what was said um, but like yeah there's a there's a lot of big money to agenda Peter I think like that is going into perception management right and your audience hopefully is a little smarter than that it's like not the not the average bear there so they they've seen through some of these weird things like you know maybe they already would know that if you're gonna buy into fear, uh, that's a bad way to make a medical decision and if you're going to buy into fear it's a bad way to make taxing decisions such as these fake climate policies right
1: uh, well I've, I've got fun like sitting next to me this is the um this is the, the first draft copy of my fourth book and and um, there's a lot about fear in there about um how well, how government uses fear to do all kinds of scary stuff but got to do a couple of things. One, I have to tell people about Romika Designs. That's R-O-M-I-K-A, designs.com. Romika Designs is custom laser engraved and laser cut. Well, custom laser stuff. Uh, it's the coolest place I can think of where you can go and get, well, anything you want customized with lasers. Ron, the owner of the company, he uh, he specializes in custom design work. You can send him something that you have in your house that you want engraved, or you can buy something from his store and have it engraved, or you know email him and tell him you have ideas, and you can talk it out yourselves. romikadesigns.com Use code Lighthouse when you I'll save you a couple of bucks. R-O-M-I-K-A, Designs.com. Use code Lighthouse. And go into the phones. We got Mike in Kentucky on line one. Welcome to the show, Mike.
2: Way cool. You got me on. Yeah. Um... You know, it's probably been about—I'm going to say eight, nine years ago. I'm—I'm I'm not exactly sure, but I noticed uh, one of my early subscriptions was to on YouTube was to a Channel Nine CBS affiliate in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they had joined Facebook about six months. Let me take this off, Speaker Vaughn if that sounds any better. Uh, they joined Facebook about six months before I did, and they had more subscribers than I did. I had, like, 225, and they had, like, 270. And I know okay. that their average. their average organic views were something silly, like 4, 9, <laughs> you know, 0. I mean, they're posting, like, news stories in Knoxville, and I'm in rural eastern Kentucky with a maximum cable subscriber audience of something like... I don't know nine nine thousand to up to eighteen thousand, depending on you know what zip codes I looked at, um, and so uh, that changed over time. But uh, in Knoxville, this is like you know it's a major player. And you'd think they've reached hundreds of thousands of people. Well, I started putting this on the air, and I counted up my channel's organic views or the total views for all my videos, and it was like. If I counted them up individually, it was 14,000 views. But if I, the, the channel views that YouTube was telling me was like 7,000, it was a huge discrepancy. And I went to their video channel and I was like, oh, there's no way for me to do this because they had like hundred, they had like, I don't know, a thousand videos. And you know, some of them were two, three, 4 10, 12 videos. Sometimes they would reshare the CBS and somehow, I think it was harvesting the views off of CBS. Hmm. So and occasionally, their local news would, boom, it would hit something like, you know, a car, huge pileup on a Interstate 75 or or some, you know, murder that would get, a, you know, a couple hundred views. And uh, when I started talking about this on the air, and I'm trying to remember if it was uh, maybe December of 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. All of a sudden, their subscribers jumped from 200 and some to 300 and some, and it just kept going up over Christmas break. It's like they had some intern in there somehow paying for fake subscribers. <laughs> and as, as their channel continued to grow, I don't know what their subscriber is now. I can't remember. It's like WKXL, Channel 9, Knoxville. I can't even remember their their call letters, but they're, they're not even on Channel 9 anymore. It's digital. But uh, they're... Uh, their uh, organic views, other than some of their network stuff, organic views still stayed around zero, 12 hell, fifteen. And then some of the stuff was hard-hitting news. You would think people would be interested in it, but uh, how do you avoid that? Where you're, you know, you buy these, and I think uh, Twitter at some point purged some crazy amount of fake. Mm-hmm. uh, subscribers that the Obama campaign had bought in 2008 or not seven. I don't know when they bought that. When did the Twitter even start, but they admitted to it in like 2015 that they had purged. I forget what it was. It was something crazy, like 8 million fake subscribers that the Obama oh. uh, crew had bought. On Twitter,
1: they, they went through again and, and purged anybody who had any reference to QAnon in their profile. <laughs> of um, course. And, yeah. So your yeah, question
5: was, how do you avoid this?
1: I, I lost two thirds of my subscribers on Twitter when they did the Q, the great QAnon. Yeah, we're,
2: we're facing, we're facing a huge amount of this coming up here.
1: Hey, well, thank you very much for your call, Mike in Kentucky. Uh, right. I, I hope you can stick around, Daryl. We, we we ran into question rate. Thank you
0: very I'll much. Stick to it. In three minutes friends We're going to the end
1: of the I've been sleeping on a My Pillow Pillow for years, and a couple of years ago I tried the My Pillow Towels, soft and absorbent wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the My Giza Dream Sheets and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. Well, the quilt is pretty awesome, too. New products being added all the time at MyPillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and, well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com.
6: At Romika Designs, we're more than just a laser engraving and specialty design company. Much more. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romica Designs, and we're honored to work with our affiliates like Liberty Lighthouse to bring you professional laser engraving and customization. Great for one-of-a-kind gifts, home decor, business, and specialty items, or personalized and logo designs created just for you or your company. Allow Romica Designs and Liberty Lighthouse to become your go-to gift and specialty project partner. Romica Designs can help make your ideas a reality. We're ready to help you design and create that special gift for any occasion or engrave your personal or business logo on just about any product. All you have to do is simply email us with your ideas. We specialize in custom design and we'd be honored to have the opportunity to discuss it with you. Visit us on the web at romicadesigns.com and use promo code LIGHTHOUSE during checkout to support Liberty Lighthouse with Peter Seraphine.
1: Welcome back. Final segment of tonight's show. I'm Peter Safin, your host of this national Intel report slash Liberty Lighthouse broadcast. We've got Daryl Becker of contentsafe.co with us for the uh, for the rest of the evening, I assume. And uh, right before we went to break, we had a caller, uh, Mike in Kentucky, that was talking about, um, well, the, the skewed numbers of how many organic views versus paid views and you know, how why is it that I don't seem to get views, but this guy over here gets a bazillion of them? Before I get your answer, though, I want to say that just a uh, news break through my phone. a uh, Dick Van Dyke just died. Dick Van Dyke, now 98 years old, um, apparently has just died.
6: Wow. Well,
1: yeah, He's 98.
5: <sighs> that was a long, long time to make it from super fragilistic <laughs> super <laughs> fragile super <laughs> fragilistic. That that's a long time there.
1: He yeah. made it. Um I don't want to live to be ninety eight. Anyway, um well video counts, stream counts, you know, all of that stuff. What how do we sort through it? I, I think it starts with just
5: understanding you're not going to get accurate numbers from the big tech media companies like YouTube and Facebook. What? And you know, you're just not going to get accurate numbers. You just and keep, keep you're going to need
1: shocking me with this information tonight.
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're not going to get accurate numbers from the government about what's going on. You're not going to get accurate numbers from big, big tech media. You're going to have to find other systems, and that's why we like to do that at contentsafe.co. We like to find out what real numbers are with our own analytics structures to really, you know, get get views and get understandings for where things are going, but artificially on the flip side of shadow banning, which is what's happened to you, I'm sure, on YouTube and, and other big tech, is well, that
1: I'm either being sad know, and shadow banned or I just suck and nobody really wants to watch or listen.
5: No, it's it's really <laughs> that. Um, People are not even getting the update that you made a video, even though you put it out there and they are requested to be updated. They're not even getting it. That's called shadow band. And on the flip side of that, the, you know, like we'll have you know, MSNBC, CNN, et cetera, will be artificially pumped up. That does include Fox News. Basically, they'll be artif- their numbers will be pumped up way beyond the actual viewership and that just makes it look like hey everyone's still watching the news you know it's kind of like all these dead cities in china basically like these ghost cities as they're called where there's they they built skyscrapers that are half finished and no one lives there right. and you know in a similar way there's not enough like 80 year olds on life support in front of televisions that are turned on to actually like make the numbers happen in the us For CNN viewership like that, that doesn't actually exist. Those are, you know, fake numbers that are completely manipulated. And I'm pretty sure that they've been doing this since the Nielsen's when they actually had, you know, devices to monitor television user uh, users in TV homes, basically. But now, you know, like the days are of waiting for a time to watch a show is way over. That's for old, stupid people who are soon going to be dead and gone like no one does that i want to listen to a show i'm going to listen to it now or it's a live show like this it's <clears> live you know and i got you know peter from kentucky calling in and cuz it's live you know and that's the difference e- either it is live right now or it's pre-recorded and all nice and sanitized and i'll get it whenever i want it at my convenience i'm not waiting for a time to tune in that's for really old people who don't understand how the, the internet works yeah, so
1: I saw a meme recently that that was one of those, you know, I'm so old kind of memes. And it was, I'm so old that when you missed a TV show, you just missed it forever.
5: True. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and like, um, I am grateful of things like the Wayback Machine on the internet and archive.org and things that are capturing everything at the moment it's happening right now. Because that's what it's all about, you know, like, I mean, I, I appreciate having everything captured and available. Um, It's way more than any human should consume. I think it's good to take like a day and a week and a month off of using a phone or a computer, you know, or being in front of a screen. I think it's good to take a vacation from that. I'm going, I'm going on vacation uh, staycation here. I'm, I'm on the Island of Hawaii and every once in a while here on the East side of the Island, it rains way too much. And we just have to drive to the other side where it's dry and it's the sunny beaches are and all the resorts are there and just get an Airbnb and just stay there for the weekend and enjoy the sunshine. And that's coming up soon.
1: you know. Well, I just came so. back from a vacation, um, talked about it for the first hour, so I won't bore you with the details. But uh, you're suggesting that big tech artificially inflates the numbers of well, the platforms that they want to. And that would explain why I keep seeing tweets from the White House and President Biden, even though I never subscribed to the White House or President Biden. But they still yeah. show up in the feed.
5: Yes, you're going to see things in that feed on the big tech platforms that are desired for you. to, And part of that is also to see how you react to it. Because please keep in mind, you know, if the product... Is allegedly free, then you're the product, right? And there's many ways that they can see, like how fast did you scroll past it? Did you exit out? Did you take the time to do that? And already, I, well, I've noticed there's
1: that, not an there, there's not a middle middle finger button to click,
5: when, when right? You... <laughs> right. You know, an angry face is really not the expression of what most people are really feeling, right? But at the same time, you know, this is this is a way of productizing people and putting you into a silo of where can they sell something, a product. So they're going to find a product that fits you, Peter, you know, that that's, that that can, you know, like, Oh, are you also against Biden? And, and it, it, basically on YouTube last night, I was sitting down watching a, a really awesome show called the Wi files. You know, it's a really fun, a uh, show that covers all, you know, basically all kinds of amazing conspiracies and and in in depth to try to understand what's going on, and is a very balanced view for the whole thing. And in the middle of it, as usual, you know, YouTube's going to interrupt with commercials, yeah. And these are very right wing commercials, so they already pegged the viewership somehow, even though it's on a friend's computer who's not right wing, and it, it it should not have done that, right? You know, like it
1: it, it should not but have, it have, been have been that, that way. way. You're watching that show you're more likely interested in the right-wing stuff.
5: I guess so, and yeah, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, that show specifically is just open-minded, and open-minded now has become synonymous with right-wing, whereas That's closed-minded yeah. minded has become synonymous with more of a religious perspective, um, like basically called scientism, that of just straight-up believing in the white lab coat's And the scientists who all work in lockstep and say that CO2 is magically a bad gas, even though, of course, they grew up with, you know, years in grade school where it was a good gas that's actually food for plants. And when CO2 goes up, greening of the earth goes up and that there were times in, in obviously geological history when there was about four times as much CO2 and there was huge more amounts of plants and animals. Covering more of the landmass, based you know geologically speaking, and that was a good. Those were you know interesting and good times back then. Of of generally higher temperatures are easier to survive for all plants and animals. Lower temperatures harder to survive. That's why ice ages are hardcore. You know against live living and life in general. So,
1: so if you think that through logically, (laughs) not that I would suggest that anybody actually do that. But if you think that through logically, increased CO2 in our atmosphere would increase the amount of plant life on our planet, which plant life lowers the average temperature in whatever area the plant life happens to be. And oh, well, that just kind of throws a giant monkey wrench into that whole CO2. causes global warming nonsense, but once again, you're not allowed to use logic when you uh, want to go after any of the progressive talking points, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. I think one of the problems of going
5: after progressive talking points in general is that it's a very emotional-based situation and it's a person-by-person situation. So um, I like to go back to like that muscular lifting metaphor that we we spoke of in the first part of the show, you know, lifting is humility, you know, in in terms of like actually lifting weights, but also in terms of the mental, emotional ability to say, was I wrong in the past about major issues? And I was wrong because in 2004, I watched uh, An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore Mm -hmm. or featuring Al Gore rather, and... I believed in it completely because I did not have high-speed you know, high internet media to counterbalance that. I didn't understand how that was propaganda and that I was buying it hook, line, and sinker. I was buying it by you know, seeing the hockey stick, uh, which has been, of course, shown to be very erroneously used um, and not really an accurate play of, of what data is. Again, you can go to realclimatescience.com and get a better version of the hockey stick that goes back many more years, like millions. Right. If I, if I, I remember
1: understand. right, the hockey stick looks like a hockey stick because he zoomed in on a very, very short not time frame. And if you zoom out, it's not impressive at all. Also, it was,
5: um, you know, I would say erroneously built by like bad feedback loops that were like like not actually using real numbers. The cool thing about yeah. the United States is that historically, well, the- yeah.
2: head connection oh looks like Peter froze a little bit might have to give him a moment there okay yeah I'm, if you want to if you want to make any points go ahead Daryl we'll, we'll get Peter back
5: yeah the good thing about it is that uh, the United States has had really good weather I mean sorry temperature measurement since the late 1800s so uh, that's, that's very important yeah. And, hey, Peter, we got you back. I was, I was talking about one of the amazing things about the United States, historically speaking, is that since the late 1800s, uh, compared to the rest of the world, the United States has had excellent temperature readings, meaning like across the United States, a lot of mm-hmm. really good weather, um, like temperature readings, like really accurate thermometers have been used. And that is different. And that's really important to, to, to understand because... What that means is you can go off the United States for at least 100 years and see that the highest temperatures were in the 1930s, way before industrialization happened. There was no mass industrialization in the United States or the world before, like at least before the 1960s. It just didn't happen. That was not reality. But what you can see is that the temperatures were much higher in the 1930s and that what correlates with that is sunspots. Because that's the big deal. The sun is oh. the big driver. And then from there, with the, and here's how it works, by the way. It's the magnetic aspects of the sun, not just that. The sun is putting out, thankfully, gratefully, constant temperatures. Because otherwise, we would be scorched. We would require to live far underneath the Earth in order to survive. But no, the temperatures are almost always really consistent. What happens is this. It wasn't until the 1990s, apparently, that the correlation between cosmic rays and the temperature was figured out because that's when they figured out that clouds coalesce and even exist at all because of cosmic rays. Without cosmic rays coming in from outside the solar system, this is what was discovered, clouds don't even have the actual electromagnetic ability to coalesce much. It just happens a lot less. It's not just condensation going up and then magically coalescing. That's not how it even works. But it works because that when there are a lot of sunspots, a lot of magnetic action it blows away the cosmic rays more. You have less clouds and you have higher temperature. And when there's less sunspots, you have more clouds. And just like any cloudy day, as you know, when you're on vacation, you have a cloudy day, you know what the temperature is going to be like. It's a little cooler, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if you get out of the lake or out of the ocean and and there's a cloud suddenly passes in front, you really know what cooler feels like. And when there's like no cloud in the sky at all, you know, uh, looking at uh, various Places where there are almost never clouds, like the Sahara, for example, like you will just experience constant heat, some of the most intense heat in the world, and that's part of understanding how this works. Obviously, by the way, I can flex my own humility and say I don't really know exactly. Um, this is not my total field of study, but as far as I've, I've like looked into the correlation of, you know, how cosmic rays and cloud, you know. Um, cloud formation affect the weather and just understand that maybe you don't know, you know, what you're talking about.
1: You know, that's part of the problem is, is, you know, we mentioned that money. So whether it's medical or climatology, there, there's, there's a definite agenda and the money follows the agenda. So if you come out and you do an experiment that supports the agenda, you'll get more money. For more studies, if you come out yeah. with results that don't support the agenda, you're done. You don't get any more money. And the same thing is, is in any of these politically charged topics. For example, yeah. going back to the COVID thing, you know the, the whole idea that this mRNA vaccine that had never been used in human beings before... That they whooped it up in six months or whatever it was. And it's the, oh my god, this is going to revolutionize vaccine science. But we have to change the definition of a vaccine. And there's never been any long-term studies. But if you bring up any of that stuff, then the censorship Nazis come in and and slap you down. So here, like I said, I, I brought this up before. This is the first draft of my fourth book. Uh, the working title of this book is Trust Shattered, and it's divided into three sections. Betrayed bodies, betrayed liberties, and betrayed property. It is basically an account of provable government-admitted examples of when government cast aside our rights, whether it was our our bodies and you know, human experimentation for the last hundred years, or whether it was our liberty where they said, you, you know, like you're, you're, you've got slanty eyes. You look like you might be Japanese. We're going to lock you up for two years and in, in an internment camp or, you know, you know what? Now we're going to, you know, yeah, let's see. Cointel Pro, yeah, the counterintelligence uh, investigations of that began in the 1950s. Screw it. Oh, you know, those, those rights guaranteed in the constitution, they don't really matter as long as we've got this big, scary whatever to, to fight. The hardest part about writing this so far has been to write it in a way that doesn't sound like conspiracy. Because everything in there, every, the 37 chapters that I've written so far, are all things that the government has admitted to.
5: Yeah, that's... A given for many of us who've studied history and the challenge of course, is like to know your audience, right? Who's the audience for? Are they, is this like an audience to wake them up An audience to sort of reaffirm what they already believe, you know, like where you just would like to sort of, this is their, their coffee table book to sort of open the eyes and ears and minds of their relatives or people guests at your Airbnb, what's the intended audience, right? So when you know who your audience is, you have a chance, that's that's part of critical thinking is that actually it's the final step of critical thinking in, in a methodology is to to you, you are the author you challenge you basically your challenge is to, to arrange your message for the audience, mm-hmm. not try to basically force the audience to understand your message and then blame the audience when they don't get it. if, yeah. if you understand your audience, then you know that they'll get it. And you know I think that removing critical thinking, from most forms of education has been a, a known thing for at this point, I would say for literally hundreds of years, because there there was a time when people would, you know, have the smallest bit of classical education. And that would include the trivium, the trivium, the, the trivium method of critical thinking, where you get the word trivial, which meant the beginning necessary study to achieve mastery, not Trivial information that was out of out of place to make it look like you're a smarty pants. That was not the intended <laughs> definition at first. The intended definition was that this was the beginning part of critical thinking needed to start your path towards mastery. So you'd start off with your grammar work of the glossary of terms. You know, you have your you, all the nouns and verbs and adjectives of whatever the study is. For example, those three components. Um, you know, in terms of the body. And the liberty, and uh, what was the third component um, in the book that you had? Property, uh, life, property, liberty, right. property. Life, liberty, property. So you have like you know the, those three components. Um, you you have like an understanding of them, and then then from there, logic.
2: Yeah. Hopefully,
1: that's you this time. And uh, anyway, uh, Deb Treadway over in the YouTube chat room says that Peter understands us. I, I think she's trying to say that I understand my audience.
5: But- yeah, no, you, you do understand the audience. And so, like, it does help, though, for your audience to know and look up the informal logical fallacies. It will help them as a virus scanner for their mind to stop being fooled. And as an example, of course, is the appeal to authority, you know, such as, say, Dr. Fauci said, so therefore I can trust him. <laughs> That's the appeal to authority fallacy, and it means that it's a potential fallacy to just appeal to a, any authority, even appeal to Daryl Becker, instead of actually looking at evidence that supports whatever the claim is.
1: Right? Who was and, the, um, oh, Who was the? Yeah. What was the scientist uh, that I want to say? Nineteen fifties, um, you know, electrocuting the people on the other side of the wall, but not really electrocuting them. Uh,
5: Oh, you mean the Milgram experiment?
1: Milgram, that's so, it. Yeah, the Milgram yeah, experiment. Stanley Milgram. It, that was uh, that, all about authority and, and how far people were willing to go yeah. just to, to follow an authority figure. That's, that, that's a great thing to say. Right.
5: Yeah, obedience is one component of it. But another uh, very important component to get people to fall along in lockstep with what we saw three years ago and two years ago is conformity is people who are afraid to do something different than what their friends and family are doing and saying. And yeah. conformity was was shown with Solomon Ash's the Ash experiment of conformity, where you'd have all these people who are confederates in the experiment all saying that uh, line number two is shorter, and mm-hmm. they would get the person coming in there to say, I guess line number two is shorter, even though he knows that line number three uh, is, yeah. is shorter. And they're all basically swaying the opinion of someone because they would rather belong and fit in rather than actually stick out and be correct. And that's a component right there. You know, obviously people like you and me, Peter, we stick out, you know, we're going to, we're gonna actually going to say the, the thing that the rest of the crowd doesn't want to say, you know, doesn't want to hear. And that's kind of important right now. Uh, it's very important to get the message out because every 80 years this happens, Peter. Right. You You're know, right. Like 80, 80 years, years ago. Yeah, like that was, uh, if you looked into the pendulum, uh, pendulum Theory, that's like by Roy Williams and Drew Michaels, that's a good book. Also, The, um, the Fourth Turning, probably you've gone over that one before in your studies, you know. Um, but these are books that go over an 80-year cycle of where, you know, 80 years ago, we had uh, people put in camps and, and basically brother against brother, etc., and family against family members because of a difference of opinion. On you know, basically eighty years ago, was like you know those people they have to be put into camps because you know they're 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 Japanese or because they're Jewish or because they're Gypsies or whatever you know. And, and eighty years before that, you had the revolutionary. No, I'm sorry. Well, eighty Civil. years before that, you have the Civil War. Eighty years before that, you had the Revolutionary War. Eighty years before that, you had the actual Salem witch trials going on. Right. Trials, right. I should say, uh, persecutions. Yeah.
1: Completely, you know. Po- you know poorly, poorly taught in this country, because the Salem witch trials, you know, they, they, they weren't strictly an American thing. They went on in Europe. But they went on in Europe far longer than they went on in the United States, and far more people are killed. But we don't teach that part of it in this country. Anyway, yeah, uh, I, Deb Treadway over in the YouTube chat room says, how is Maui doing?
5: Ah, uh, yeah, so right now, There are thousands of people missing, including literally a few thousand children. And there are a lot of people who are fighting for money for their destroyed homestead for basically there a lot of people fighting for the, you know, to, to the rights to to actually have their their property because there were a lot of emergency measures that were passed by Governor Green before this happened. You know, like an emergency measures were passed before the emergency actually happened. Right. So, showing some for, foresight there on the part of uh, Governor Green's administration, and that's um that's a big problem for those landowners and people who lost people in Lahaina, Maui. And uh, if you if you want to understand the videography of the entire thing, this is a lot of anomalous events. You know that I got a lot of my high quality videography from TikTok. Surprisingly. A lot of high quality video was put out there right on, you know, the day after on the 9th of August, the day after this whole event. So I think, um, you know, like luckily that's there there are thousands of other people who are more tangentially affected by this event of the these anomalous fires that burned people alive in cars by the hundreds who were very close to the ocean and for some reason could not open their car or run out and save themselves into the ocean like most people would normally do. Somehow they were killed before they were even able to open the doors.
1: Can you imagine how fast a fire would have to move in order for you to be stuck inside of a car?
5: Oh, that's very anomalous. Because I'm glad you mentioned that, Peter, because here's the deal. Uh, Not only that, the temperature of melting asphalt is around 325, 350 degrees max, maybe. And that's going to melt the paint and the asphalt itself. It's going to like literally boil it, right? But the temperature to melt aluminum is more than 1,200 degrees. Okay, and you have melted aluminum coming out of the engine blocks and the wheel wells and things like that. But the paint on the road is just fine and the road looks just fine. So what we're seeing here is that the car melted, but the road's fine. So it's not the atmospheric no. temperature around the car that was the problem. Because we have this on video and in still photos, it's not, it, this is not caused by burning uh, you know, grasses. Because, by the way, that part of Maui is mostly grasses. There is no forest going on there. Right. You know, like, there's not a lot of, of actual like, trees going on there. That's a very arid side. Uh, the, the west sides of these islands is extremely arid it's the, the wind and moisture is always coming from the east on our islands of hawaii it's all these all these islands here and that's one island over from where i live and it's um uh, for for sure you can go to unjected uh, the unjected show on on podcasts and listen to shelby one of the hosts of uh, shelby thompson of of the injected show she goes on the podcast circuits like i'm doing except for the difference is she lives on maui and she was one of the people who to you know took the the reporting in person over there and and really got out there like some very anomalous you know she got photos of people burned in half and there's a thing you don't have like a, a forest fire do, right i want to see that photo again and like but like you don't you don't have like half of a person uh burned and the other half unburned and okay um that's this is the kind of technology that is anomalous similar to what happened um both in in paradise california Of several years ago similar to of course what happened in 9-11 with melted cars around 9-11 you can look up drjudywood.com drjudywood.com's research and yep that i see that 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 uh sparked a a knowing look from you there so you know that anomalous technology was involved over there and that's the kind of thing that you know takes an open mind and an open heart to look into but you know since i know we're at the end of the show I just want to say um, it's really important to focus on positive things, grow food, connect to your neighbors, and, and make a world that makes sense, to, to make your own personal wealth, to, to do good investments. Because every time calamities are happening in the world, like this, these impending warfares that you know people watching this show might be worried about, please keep in mind that there are a lot of investments available to people now. And I'm yeah. talking Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> well, people watching this show are, are definitely prepared. We all have our, you know, Patriot Supply food processor, food uh, backups and canned goods and all like that kind of stuff. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Mr. Becker. Go uh, to contentsafe.co if you're any kind of a, uh, a internet provider, a uh, what call it, influencer, producer, whatever. Thanks to, to uh, my guests for joining me tonight. Thanks to you, mike my producer. Couldn't do the show without you. Thank you most of all listeners and callers. you why we do this show. Until next week. Protect your liberty. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must the If you call yourself a conservative, I have a question for you. What are you trying to conserve? The $29 trillion national debt and the continued out-of-control spending? The status quo of a bloated and corrupt federal government? The deterioration of a moral society? Become a constitutionalist. Conserve the unalienable rights of we the people and the document that is supposed to restrict our government and protect our rights. Support the Constitution Party, the only nationally recognized political party that stands for the founding principles of the U.S. Constitution. Every point of the Constitution Party platform is tied directly to that founding document which made the United States a great nation. Learn more, join, and support the Constitution Party at ConstitutionParty.com or your state's Constitution Party website. I'm Peter Serfine, and So Simple Even a Politician Can Understand is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold, or at liberty-lighthouse.com slash books.